Welcome to Victory Christian Center's audio podcast. We hope this message encourages you, and we look forward to connecting with you on social media or FCCFMD.com. This is weird for me because um, if you need to know anything about me, it is that I am a little Puerto Rican boy from Florida who grew up in southern black churches, singing and jumping and dancing and hooping and hollering. So, staying in one spot is not my jam. Um, But I am uh, incredibly thankful to be here um, tonight. Uh, And we're outside, so that means there's no time limit on service. Right? We can just go as long as we want. I didn't see a bunch of amens on this side of the room. But, but, you can preach as long as you want. She, she might not be here, here but she. Um, so, like was said, I am the uh, Potomac Youth Alive missionary, which uh, Youth Alive is, uh, we are an organization, <clears throat> excuse me, told you. We are an organization that we do, we do one thing. Um, and one thing only, and that is we help students, middle and high school students, leaders, that means youth pastors, youth leaders, church leaders, and churches connect to their local public school systems to share the gospel. So that's what we do. That's what we do. Now, how we do that, we've got tons of ways how we do it, but what we do is one thing, but we believe that if students are equipped to share their faith well, God does amazing things. And we believe if if there's leaders who are teaching students how to share their faith well, he does great things. Sorry, that's me. And if churches are connecting with their public schools, it breeds healthier churches, healthier relationships, healthier communities, and God does great things. I'm a huge believer that if we do the difficult things, God does the impossible. Right? So we don't have to do the impossible. If you don't get anything else tonight, take this with you. You don't have to change the world. All that stuff that you hate and you see on TV and all the news that makes you cry, you don't got to fix it all. You've just got to do the difficult thing that's right in front of you. And God will do the rest. Right? That's the kind of God we serve. So um, that's what I get to do. Um, I, I get to do everything from school assemblies. Uh, schools will bring us in um, to do school assemblies where we share messages of hope and love to students who are struggling. Um, I get to do services like this. I, we, we do large events. We work with the youth department. We coach kids one-on-one. We do workshops all over the network. So we do a ton of stuff. Um, but I'll give you one story real quick, then I'll do a short message just for her so she can um, get out on time. Thank you. Um, so there's one student. So... so uh, COVID, how, how far can I go and be live? Here, you can go all the way to the keyboard. Or keyboard the over there, and if I come in here, I'm looking right in the camera. Hey. Um, so one of the things that, um, one of the stories, COVID kind of messed everybody up. Uh, and I think it's kind of, everybody knows it. It's People talked about it. I'm tired of talking about it. Um, but one of the things it made us do is we had a lot of big, events, big systems, big things 
working all the time. And a lot of that stuff got pulled off the table really quickly. Um, but one of the good things that it made us do is it made us reevaluate what are we here for and how do we do it. And so we're, like, we're here for students. We want students to be able to share their faith well. So we started a new program, um, launched a new thing called the, the um, Committed Project, where I took eight students, only eight. We made it very uh, selective. And we took them through a four-month training program. And their whole mission was to come up with a God-sized dream that had an evangelism focus. Right? And so I thought kids were going to come up with some pretty cool ideas. They did not. They came up with amazing, incredible ideas. One of them, uh, Cece Benincasi is her name. And she started the program. And she was one who goes, I just want people to know Jesus. That's my big dream. I said, okay, but how are we going to do that? That's great, but how are we going to do it? The whole program was digging into the nuts and bolts of how we do it. And over the four months, I watched her go from, I don't know what to do, I just know I want people to know Jesus, to, at the end, she started a program, so she, you know, she went on Instagram and started a channel called uh, The Questions Project. And she made it so that anybody can ask, anyone can ask anonymously any question about faith that they want. Faith, God, church, whatever. She gets the questions, doesn't know who they're from, and she we, we created a team of professors, pastors, teachers, Sunday school people, church people, students, and they answer the questions, and once a week she comes on Instagram and has an edited video that she answers the questions that her friends and people are asking online, right? It's called this, the Questions Project. It's awesome, right? We have another student that her whole her heartbeat was she wanted to help handicapped kids in her school who were ostracized make connections centered around Jesus with their able-bodied friends. And so now she's partnered with the, the school is actually busing kids to the church, handicapped students to the church uh, twice a month. To, and she has a group of people that are helping her, full of specialists, um, uh, special ed teachers, things like that. And they come to the church. They have activities specifically for those students. And they pray together. They hang out together. And she says, if I can just get people who love Jesus and people who are handicapped and don't have friends, and I can get them together, I think we can all love Jesus together. How incredible is that? But that happens when you get students and you move them from this point of where I think we usually stop and say, you've got to share Jesus with your friends. Yeah, but how? How, how do they share Jesus? How do we do the hard work of, of sharing the message of Jesus? Because I think sometimes we can just stop at the truth, right? We kind of quote the Bible and we, we, we say things like, um, I mean, I grew up in church and this is what we would say. You know, his word will not return void, right? So that means if I preach it, I'm done. Right or, or or we we go and we and we say um, his word is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Which all these things are true, but I think what we can forget is that Paul says in First Corinthians nine verse twenty-two, which we're going to get to in a second. He says, "To the weak I become the weak, to save the weak. I sacrifice all things for all people by all means, so that I might save some." Right. Paul tells us that there's kind of a bad investment when we're sharing the gospel, right? <clears throat> that we're going to sacrifice all the time and always for a small return. 
And that's kind of that's kind of hard for us. Right. Because we we want to be like, if I speak truth, I need you to change right now. I, listen, I got family members. I want them to change right now. I've got friends. I need them. I, they need Jesus right now. They needed Jesus yesterday, 20 years ago. Right. But all of that to say, um, I love what I get to do as a youth allowed missionary because my job is as unique as the people that I get to work with, as the locations I get to work with. As the church, every pastor is different. Every church is different. Every school is district different. And I get every school district, and I get to kind of take those puzzle pieces and work them together and figure out how we can help in each situation. And it's pretty awesome. So, and I just want you really quick before we, I'm going to pray and get into the the the, the short sermon for you. Um, I'm going to pray and get Y'all to. Y'all can pay me later. <laughs> uh, um, but guys, can you give like a, a small round of applause to your pastor? Because she, as she was walking me through the church today, she cares so much about this place. Amen. And not this, just this this church, but this community. And um, I don't want to play the, the gender card, but I'm going to. As a, as a strong female pastor, right, that in the AG, that's not highly treaded territory and you have an amazing person man or woman in the role who cares and loves you and wants to see the best and so if you're not if if if, if you didn't know i'm letting you know that you have an incredible pastor and she's and don't don't let her go anywhere okay all right we got duct tape yeah tired to the chair Okay, um, if you <laughs> if you have a Bible, you can go to Luke chapter eight. If you don't, I'm gonna read it to you. Phones count. You can text. I don't care. Um, uh, you can go to Luke chapter eight. I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of speak from a passage that you have all heard before. You've all heard preached a thousand times, but I hope we can look at it maybe from just a slightly different angle tonight. Okay. So before I do that. Uh, Let's go ahead and pray real quick. Lord, I thank you so much for uh, this opportunity. I thank you for the um, the fact that you have saints who are meeting on a Sunday night to, uh, to hear from you, Lord, to rally around your call. And so, God, I pray that you would bless each one's faithfulness that showed up tonight. And I pray that you would bless me with what makes preaching effective, and that's the moving of your Holy Spirit. Lord, let us be uh, tenderhearted tonight. And receive, Lord, a word that I really truly believe that you've given me for such a time as this. In your name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> okay. Um, one of the young young bucks over here. Christopher. Christopher. Hey, can you go in that in there? There's a brown bag in the lobby. And the zipper of the bag is a tape measure. Can you grab a tape measure for me? Thanks. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, guys, the, the title of my sermon, or like my sermonette, is uh, Come As You Are. Okay? Come As You Are. We've heard this phrase, right? This is a, this is a church phrase, come as you are. Uh, and I heard it growing up, and it changed my life. Uh, this, this idea of come as you are. Uh, doesn't matter if you're broke, busted, disgusted, or ugly. That's what my pastor used to say. <laughs> you, you can come. My man, first try. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Okay, so um, 
I, I talked about like it's sometimes sharing the gospel is a lot of hard work for not much of a payoff. And there, the only other thing I could think of that's kind of like that is uh, something I get super excited for, and that's the Olympics. I get absolutely pumped for the Olympics. This year, I bought a onesie, you know, like a, a like a baby wears that was red, white, and blue flags. <clears throat> if you don't believe me, I've got pictures. I wore it to camp every week. Um, I tried. I tried to find some matching ones for my kids, but they didn't have them. But I get so pumped for the Olympics because the Olympics inspire me, right? The Olympics are incredible. <clears throat> and But sometimes I can get spoiled when I'm watching the Olympics because, you know, I was watching the swimming, right? And these are Adonis's. These are men that when I look at in the mirror, they make me ashamed of myself, right? They, they are shredded. They look incredible. Um, and they're so fast. They're so fast. And I remember there's this guy named Dreskel, and he won five gold medals in swimming this year. And, and he's from Florida. So he's, I was like, Florida, Florida. You know, I'm from Florida. So, and I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. And I remember there's one race where he, he's winning. He's coming on the last lap home, and, he's, and his lead is shrinking. He's starting to fall back a little bit. And there, I think it was the Australian guy was catching him. And I'm sitting there, and I get up off the couch, and I'm like, go, Faster, just a little more. Go push, push. You know, I got Cheeto dust on my fingers, like like I'm hot and sweaty from cheering them on. And you know, I was I was I was uh, I was spoiled because I I wasn't even comprehending how crazy and inspirational an act he was accomplishing. Right? Like I think every Olympics should have a lane in every sport that's like the average Joe lane. <laughs> Right, so you see all these incredible athletes, and then you see like me, just like, <laughs> right. So we can really appreciate like who they are. So um, I, I, I was watching, and so there's a guy. There's a the one of the, my favorite events is the uh, the long jump because it's so simple. It's something we would do in kindergarten, right? It's this like uh, this idea of just run and jump. As far as you can, okay? So, um, what's your name, my dude? Darren. Darren? All right, come here. Grab this, and my man, come right here. This is a 16-foot tape measure. I want you to take it to that white line, and I want you to take the other one. That white line on the ground. On the ground, yeah. On the ground, right there. Over there, come forward. 16 feet, it'll be the whole thing. And right there, stop. Pull it back in. Don't break it. There you go, right. Okay, now you stand right there, and hand me the tape measure. Okay, now you look athletic. All right, you can let it go. <clears throat> the world record. So you're going to come over here, and I want you to run as fast as you can. You're going to take off by him, and you're just going to jump as far as you can. 16 feet, right? I'm, I, I, I figured out what the um, longest long jump was. All right, and so here we go. We're going to have to back up further. All right, so, so from his... From his foot to that white line, 16 feet. You got it? You can do it, James. Take off, sir. Not bad. Not bad. That was about 12 feet. All right, there was a foot fault, but I'm not going to call it. I'm not going to call it. All right, let's do one more. Come on, let's do one more. You can do better. Come on, take those slides off. You're out in the country. I know you walk around barefoot. All right. Come on, Mr. Athlete. Come on. Take off. Okay. All right, not bad. 
Not bad. All right. Now I need an adult. I'm not gonna make a jump. I'm not gonna make a jump. I won't make a jump. All right. So you saw. How... All right. So you stand up. Stand up right there. All right. So that's 16 feet, right? That's pretty. I mean, if, if one of us could jump 16 feet, that would be incredible. We'd be in the Olympics. You'd be you'd be in the Olympics. Well, years ago. Yeah. I, I <laughs> you hold this end, and then you hold that end. Head that direction, and tell me how many feet you're at. How many feet you got? 12 feet right here. Keep going. Okay, come back to 13 feet, 3 inches. Trap that to the ground. All right, go ahead and put that on the ground for me. The world record for the long jump is 29 feet, 3 inches. <coughs> that means that person took off from right there. Michael Dowell is his name, and he landed over there. That's jumping like a flame. Could you imagine being like a high school football game and watching somebody take off and jump over people 10 yards? You would go bananas, right? But what do we see on TV, right? What do we see? We see this jump, jump, land in dirt, right? They land in sand. But if you were there, if you were in that moment, if you were watching the Olympics, if you were two feet away from it, you would be astronomically mind blown. Because it's inspiring, right? But we get spoiled. You guys are good. Thanks. You can leave that there. I won't need it. Give our, give our volunteers a round of applause. Thanks, guys. 13 inches. 13 inches. Because, guys, here's my first point. It is cool to be inspired. It's fun to be inspired. And sometimes I think, just like the Olympians, we can forget how inspirational Jesus is. Amen. We can forget about the things that he did that were so incredible. Right? It wasn't just this, <clears throat> this, this sitting on a, uh, a mountaintop going, thus saith me. Yeah. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye. But I say to you, that's, that's not Jesus. Jesus was a rock star. When he was healing people, the Bible says in Mark and Matthew and Luke, all the, all the gospels, there were crowds that crushed in around him. Right? The people would follow him for miles. In a world where people didn't like to walk more than two miles from their home in their lifetime, they would travel tens of miles to find him. He was that big of a figure. He was an inspirational figure. And so when we read this, this, this uh, story that you've all heard, I just want us to have a little bit of a mind shift on who Jesus is in our life and in this time. Because it's cool, it's joyful, it's, uh, it's encouraging to be inspired. Right? Because I sit on the couch like every other slightly overweight dad and I tell the quarterbacks to do a better job on Sundays. <clears throat> right? But that means I'm inspired. Right? Because what they're doing, I'm attached to. It's fun to be inspired. So, <clears throat> let's go ahead and go to the verse. Or uh, to the verse of scripture. We're going to Luke chapter 8. Um, and I'm going to try and do all of this in the next 10 minutes. 
Luke chapter 8, which I'm a Pentecostal preacher, so that means nothing. <laughs> Luke chapter 8, we're going to go to verse 40. Now, in this passage, Jesus was on one side of the Sea of Galilee, and he was so tired of the crowds that he got with his disciples, and he said, hey, let's get away from all these people. And the only way he could get away was to get in a boat. And so he got in the boat, and he went 8.2 miles to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and he, got, he was trying to get away from them, but this verse says, Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. I don't know who sent a messenger dove or pigeon or whatever, but they knew he was coming. Can you imagine how big of a figure you have to be for a time when there's no long-distance communication for you to go from one side of the sea to the other side of the sea, and before you get there, people know you're coming. He was inspiring because people are coming around and they're saying, this is the guy that heals people. This is the guy that casts out demons. This is the guy that I heard walks on water. This is the guy who claims he's the son of man. This is an intentional, crazy time for Jesus. So verse 41, as he is walking, a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at his feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter of 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowd almost crushed him. Okay. Now, when I was growing up, the the, uh, <clears throat> the the band that was the hot boy band back in the day was the Jonas Brothers. And I remember when the Jonas Brothers came out, they couldn't leave their hotel without ladies just f flapping their hands trying to get a piece of them. Okay, and this is kind of what I picture. I picture I picture Rolling Stones. I picture the Beatles. I picture uh, Elvis. El Elvis. Let's go to Elvis. I picture I picture a rock star who's trying to walk from one place to another, and while he's trying to get there, people are crushing him, saying, "Jesus, can you heal my mother? Jesus, can you heal my sister? Jesus, can you come to my house? Jesus, can you come here?" The crowd was full. Of broken people trying to get to Jesus, an example of which is Jairus, who is a synagogue leader, and he falls to his face in front of Jesus, and Jesus follows him. Some, we all know the story, right? Verse 43. A woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. How many years? But had no one to heal her. Now, we, now subject, if she had bleeding, that meant she was unclean. Right Now, unclean meant you were isolated. Now, in the same story in Mark, we see that she spent all her money, but nobody could heal her. So she's poor. She's isolated. She's sick with no cure. She's dirty because what do you do with blood-stained clothes? You get new clothes because you can't get the stains out. But if you've got no money to get new clothes, what are you doing? You're still dirty. She's unclean, so nobody can touch her because if they touch her, they're considered unclean. And so imagine being in COVID lockdown for 12 years. I couldn't do six months. Right? How old are you? 14. How old are you? 13. 13? 66. There you go. <laughs> 14 and 13. She was sick almost as long as they were alive. Their whole lifetime. Imagine, I know when I got the flu, I'm, I'm a typical husband and father. When I get the flu, the world stops turning and <laughs> I can't function. But I remember getting the flu and I had a headache, a migraine that was killing me. 
that was like all the way down my spine. I went to the doctor and I said, I, I need something. Can you just give me something? And she goes, there's no medicine I can give you. You'll be fine in three days. I want to, I want to strangle her. <laughs> I was miserable for three days. I couldn't imagine 12 yeah. years, thousands of days being this way. See, her sickness was her identifier. Her brokenness is how people knew her, right? And that's such a powerful thing. Her brokenness was her identity. They didn't say there's so-and-so's daughter, there's so-and-so's mother, there's so-and-so's sister. They said there's that woman with the issue of blood. I wonder what I wonder what she did. I wonder what her family did that God would punish her so much with this issue of blood. That was who she was. And there's a, there's a little temptation nowadays for um, your victimhood, your brokenness, to almost be a badge of honor. Yeah. Where it's like, well, I struggle with anxiety or I struggle with depression. Where I think the pendulum has swung. Where it used to be, we don't talk about that stuff at all. Now it's we put it on our on our on our front, and it becomes our identifier. And I'm fast forwarding my message a little bit, but can I let you know, like, it, we all are going through something. But we can't let it be our identifier. Because I'm not what my brokenness is. I'm what God redeems me to be. Right? And that's a message that we've got to remember. And so, so this is who she is. And she comes up behind Jesus. And this is important. Because Jairus came from what direction? In front of Jesus. Jairus was a teacher in the synagogue. Jairus was an important man. So he had the confidence to come up in front of Jesus, even though he fell at his feet. She, when she's looking at Jesus, she's looking at the rock star. She's looking at the teacher. She goes, this is the man everybody wants a piece of, and I'm broken, and I'm nothing. And so I can't even get close to him. I don't want him to see me. But if he can't see me, maybe if I come from behind and just touch, just get a piece. Sometimes I forget that there was a time in my life where I was so inspired by Jesus that I didn't have the, the right to look him in the eye. That when I came to worship, I came with trembling hands. That when I came to prayer, I came just saying, if, if I could just, I had so much confidence in who Jesus was that I just needed one little touch. Now I kind of walk up and I dab Jesus up and say, hey, can you give me my stuff? But she came with trembling hands, and she touches the hem of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. And Jesus says, who touched me? And I love, I love this, this passage because uh, I think I would have been Peter. I think Peter was the dumbest disciple at this point. <laughs> because he, he made, Master, everybody's touching you. And he goes, no. I know the power has flown out from me, so who touched me? So if everybody's touching him, everyone's jostling around, everyone's trying to get a piece of Jesus, Jesus, come here, Jesus, 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 Jesus. What was the difference between them and her? Faith. And we know that because it says right here in verse 47, then the woman seeing that she could not go unnoticed, which means she tried to hide. She was so desperate that even after her healing, she tried to hide. She came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people, everybody's watching, told him how she had been healed instantly. And he said to her, daughter. 
Don't miss this. He said to her, daughter, you've been alone for 12 years. Nobody here to help you. Nobody here to take care of you. You've been poor, by yourself, ostracized, pushed away by society, people judging every time they look at you. But I call you daughter. In that moment, he didn't just change her body. He changed who she was. He changed her identity. He changed what made her her. He changed her prospects. He changed who she could hang around he changed where she could go and what she could do. He changed all of those things in an instant. But it wasn't the instant that she was healed. It was the instant that he said, daughter. Because it says when everyone was watching. And then what's he say? Your faith has made you whole. Not that she knew more Bible than everybody. Not that she was more confident, more desperate. Not that she was able to to cry harder. I grew up in, in Pentecostal church where if you snotted, the more you snotted, the closer to Jesus you were. But it was this simple act. Simple act. And my definition of faith that I love is faith is simply this. Belief in action with a direction. Belief in action with a direction. If you believe something enough, faith is acting in the direction of that belief. Because there are a lot of people in the crowd who were broken. There were a lot of people in the crowd who were inspired, but she was dedicated in her belief, and that's faith. Because here's point number two. Inspiration does not always equal dedication. Inspiration does not always equal dedication. We can be inspired by what Jesus did. I think about the disciples here because it says in Mark that Jesus gave them instructions to keep the crowd away, right? And I think of the disciples, right? They, they liked being in the proximity of Jesus. They were inspired by Jesus. They got to be close to Jesus. They, were Jesus. they had instructions from Jesus, but when there was brokenness in their midst, they missed it because they were so focused on doing the right thing that they miss the brokenness in front of them. Because inspiration is different than dedication. Okay? And here's the, here's, the, here's the thing. Jesus doesn't care about our state of being. He just wants us to come as we are. Here's how much he doesn't care about your state of being. Where was he going? He was on his way to what? This little girl who was 12 years old on her deathbed. I don't think it's coincidence that the woman had been sick for 12 years and this little girl was 12 years old. And could you imagine being the parent and you're trying to rush Jesus to your dying daughter and on the way there he goes, hold up one second, somebody touched me. Do you know how ridiculous that is as Jairus? Do you know how crazy that would be? In the next verse, then somebody comes up while Jesus is still talking to the woman and they say, Jairus, your daughter's dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Here's how much Jesus doesn't care about your state. He had time to let somebody die, fix a problem, and then still go and bring the dead back to life. He doesn't care if you're sick, broken, or alone. He doesn't care if you're poor, rich, ugly, or stupid. He doesn't care what you are. 
or where you're from, even if you're dead, he says, I've got the power over life and death. Now, if we believe that, that would change the way. Do we believe that? If we believe that, that should affect our life. That should affect how we function. And so I'm going to do this thing real quick. Is um, do you, can you play like pads behind me? Can you do that? You got that thing? Okay. All right. I'm, we're gonna do this really good. This is my clothes. Just so you know. <laughs> this is my clothes. It's a 30 minute clothes. <laughs> I'm doing good. <laughs> this is my clothes. Okay. When I was 14 years old, I heard a pastor preach a message called "Come as You Are." And it changed my heart. And that was this, what I've kind of, this this message that I've kind of preached right here is something we've all heard, right? I think it's good to be reminded of. But we've all heard it. You know, when I was 14 years old, I heard a message like this. And it inspired me. Changed my heart. Because I, I knew in that moment, it doesn't matter how far from God I felt. It doesn't matter where I was at. He could change me. He could fix me. He could bring me back. I was never too far gone. But then when I was about your guys' age, 15 or 16, I went to the same church conference and heard the same pastor preach the same message. And I asked my mom, how am I supposed to be inspired when I've already heard this? He didn't even bring a new sermon. And in that moment, my mom told me the story. But she told it to me like this. She said, Aaron, imagine you're in the crowd. And Jesus has just come off the boat. And you've got a sick sister at home. And he's the one that you've heard does miracles. He's the one that you've heard raises people from the dead. The one who walks on water and casts out demons. And so you're just trying to get a piece of them. And so you're walking through the crowd. And you see, he just got off the boat, but there's already people there. So you start to push your way through. You're trying to get closer. You're trying to just hear a little bit of what he's saying. Because he's talking to the disciples. And that must be important. But then you see this man. I think his name is Jairus. Coming up from somewhere else. And, and he falls to the ground. And he's a he's a teacher of why is he falling to the ground? That's I don't understand what's going on. He said something about his daughter. Oh, the crowd's moving. So the crowd's moving. So you're just trying to stay with the crowd. You don't really know what's happening, but you're trying to get a little bit closer to hear what he's saying to Jairus on the way. And then out of the corner of your eye, you see her. She's the girl that you pass every day on the same corner that nobody can talk to because she's unclean. And she's trying to find her way through the crowd. That is incredible. I hope she doesn't touch me because if she touches me, then I'm unclean. And so as she's walking by, I dodge out of the way. Thank God she just missed me. But she touched him up front, so now I can't touch him. And I'm trying to move around, and I lose sight of where Jesus is at. I'm lost in the crowd until finally I look up, and I see where Jesus is, and I see her. And she's about to do the unthinkable. She's past the disciples. She's about to touch the prophet. She's about to make him unclean. She's about to dirty him up. And before I can yell to the disciples that something is going to happen, he stops. And everything changes. 
because he's supposed to be considered unclean. But instead, he says, daughter, you are whole. Instead of her touching him and him being defiled, she touched him and she was reconciled. Now I'm filled with hope because I've got a sick sister. So I don't have to get Jesus to come to my house like I was asking. I just got to get him to her. I just got to get her here. So that when, wouldn't we go home? Wouldn't we run home as fast as we could and get our sister, get our mother, get our friend, or get our brother? Wouldn't we say, don't worry about putting on shoes. Don't worry about putting on makeup. Don't worry about where you're at. Don't worry about your brokenness. I just watched a woman who was poor and broken and destitute and bloody, and she dragged herself to Jesus, and he didn't turn her away. He came, she came as she was, and he changed everything. Wouldn't we sacrifice everything to get them there because he's inspiring enough to be dedicated to but here's my third point sometimes we can settle for being inspired in the crowd and never get to the point that we sacrifice for the crowd it's real easy to be a disciple and protect Jesus from the crowd. To save our faith. To defend our rights. And miss the broken person. But man, how different would it be if I could go to my friends? And I now, now hear me here. I hold on to truth. I believe everything the Bible says. I believe God is the source of truth. So don't misconstrue what I'm about to say. But I feel like I need to say it. But if I could go to them and say, I don't care that you're a single mom with two kids at 19 years old. I don't care that you're gay. I don't care that you're transgender. I don't care that you feel like the church burned you in the past. I don't care that you don't like preachers. I don't care that people have labeled you. I don't care that you feel like you are too poor and you hate when the offering bucket comes around. I don't care that you've considered yourself an atheist for the last 30 years. I don't care that you had an abortion when you were 16 years old. I don't care. Come as you are. When I was 16 years old, my mom told me this. And she said, son, it ain't about you. It's not about you. You've heard this. You've already been redeemed. This is somebody else's hope. And it changed my life. See, hearing come as you are changed my heart. But realizing it was somebody else's hope changed my life. Because that year I was 15 years old. I was a sophomore in high school. And I remember Struble, Will Hooper, Jamel Colon, Sam Schubart, Heather Snyder, Jake Lutz. All people in high school. That, that year I said, Lord, I just want to have moments that I can tell people that they just have to come as they are. And I remember Struble was uh, our team captain for the wrestling team. And it was his senior year. And in a district final match, he broke his ankle. And his dad was a state wrestling champion. His grandfather was a state wrestling champion. He was going to be a state wrestling champion. 
And I remember he, he limps off to the locker room and he's sobbing. This guy that I thought was impenetrable as a 15-year-old sophomore, this was the guy I used to follow, this is who I wanted to be when it came to sports. And he sobbed. I said, Strubo, are you all right? He goes, no, man. I don't know if I'm going to lose my college scholarship. I don't know what I'm going to do. See, Strubo liked to go on our tournament trips on the weekends to get out of the house. He didn't like going home. Now that was all over. And in that moment, you know what I had to say? Nothing. I didn't have anything. I was a 15-year-old dumb kid. I don't know what to say when your world's falling apart. There's nothing special about me. I'm not cool like that. But I remembered, come as you are. And I looked at Struble, and all I said was, hey, man, I don't know what to tell you. Except that God wants you, whether you're a state champ or not. That God loves you, whether you're crying here or at home. Do you mind if I pray with you? And I prayed with him in a sweaty, stinky locker room in Citrus County, Florida. Here's the thing. Stupid doesn't know Jesus yet. Heather Snyder knows Jesus. Sam Schubert knows Jesus. Struble doesn't know Jesus yet. But I quoted a verse in the very beginning. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. Because there's a difference between being inspired by Jesus and being dedicated to Jesus. And I think Paul says it the best. To the weak, I become the weak. To win the weak. I've become all things to all people so that by all means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. You want to know the other cool thing about Olympians? Is most of them, when they were kids, were inspired by somebody. But then they became dedicated to a cause. <clears throat> and they worked day in and day out, years of their life, dedicated with no one watching, for two minutes where they can inspire nations. And when they win, you know my favorite part? Is when they win and they've got all the people cheering for them. What do they do? They go grab the flag of the nation that they represent. And they share in its glory. Are we people who are not just willing to be inspired by Jesus for our own edification, but can we transition to a place that we're willing to dedicate our lives for one moment that some may be inspired? Not so that I would be the best Christian on the planet, but so that I would share, as Paul says, in the glory of the gospel. Can we do that? With Amazon here and everything? Come on, man. Come as you are with the truck and everything. So here's, look, I, this is the part where I, this, this is my sweet spot. I could talk about this all day because... Becoming the weak to save the weak. That little phrase right there. 
That means, and we talked about this a little bit, that means giving up my right to be right. That means sacrificing the hard things. And that's not easy. That takes preparation. That takes time. And that's what I get to do for a living, is dig into that conversation of how do we do that. But I hope that tonight we can just agree that we should do it. Amen? <laughs> so this is how I want to end did I do okay thank you is I just want to pray for you but I don't want you to pray for you okay I want you to pray for somebody else and I want you to challenge yourself that sometime in the next week you're going to tell somebody, come as you are. Somebody that it's hard to say, come as you are. And when I say that, there's immediately somebody that pops in your head. And you know what happens? You throw that person away and you come up with another one because that's not the person you want to go to. Go back to that first person. The one that you've judged a little bit. The one that's hard for you to talk to. The one that's hurts you. Let that be the person that we pray for tonight. So can you just like, with representation, can you just put your hands like this a little bit? And you're reaching out like the woman reached out to Jesus. Because we believe, we believe, we have faith, God, that we don't are not just inspired because we've heard that you do great things. But we believe that if we are in a moment with you, that you do things immediately. We believe that you are alive and active in our life. And so tonight, Lord, we lift up each person that we have a passion for. Lord, the people that frustrate us, Lord, we don't want them to be better on their own, but we want them to come as they are because we know if they come as they are, they will not leave as they were. Lord, you create new things. And so, God, we want to be your vessels. We want to be your chosen people. Lord, we will sacrifice everything in all ways so that some might come to know you. Lord, we will become the weak to see the weak. Lord, we want the weak to be saved. So, Lord, we give up our right to be right. We give up all the things of the past. Lord, break us. Mold us in whatever way you can. Lord, whether we're 7, 17, or 70, Lord, we know that you have a plan and a purpose for our life. And so, Lord, we call ourselves to a higher purpose. Lord, dedicate it to you so that we could inspire others with who you are. Lord, we lift up broken families to you. We lift up hurt to you. We lift up people who have been hurt by church. Lord, that we would be the healing balm that heals those wounds. Lord, we reach out to people who are impoverished and broken. Lord, that wouldn't be their identifier. Lord, we reach out to people who take the, the ideas of, uh, of brokenness and the hurts and they wear them as a badge. That's their identifier. They don't know anything else but depression or anxiety. They don't know anything else but struggle. And Lord, we call them to more. We call them to the wholeness. We call them son. We call them daughter in your name. In your mighty name we pray. And everybody say, Amen. 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 Man, were you inspired? Amen. Amen. What a what a powerful, powerful message. We're so thankful, um, Aaron, that you were able to come and share with us tonight. And you know, I 
I was so inspired this weekend. I'm going to hang on that word for a minute. Um, with our, our convoy of hope. You know, there's such an opportunity for us. The, the fields are ripe. But we've got to go. we got to go. we gotta, we got to get plugged in. And so um, I'm so thankful that we have people like Convoy, people like Aaron, who are, are taking that initiative and, and taking that step to, in, to equip others, to equip churches and people to do that. And so, Aaron, we just want to pray over you and your ministry and your family tonight. So I'm going to ask you all for just a moment, if you'd stretch your hands in his direction, want to pray God's blessing. Father, we just thank you tonight, Lord, for your servant, God, who just has such a passion to see people come to know you right where they are. And so, God, we just pray a hedge of protection over him, over his wife, over their sons. Lord, we just pray for your favor. God, I pray that you would continue to open doors for them. Lord, doors in schools, doors in new, uh, new school districts. Father, that you would just give them opportunities that they never dreamed possible to share the gospel. Father, we pray for anointing. Lord, we pray for encouragement to come their way as they continue doing what it is that you have called them to do. Father, would you go before them? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And God's people said amen. amen. And amen. Well, listen, uh, before you head home tonight, we uh, we had some help from our strong guys over here. Look at those muscles that helped us unload our truck and carry in um, all of the goods that we were able to bring back this weekend. And so if you want to be inspired tonight and, and start thinking about how you can get plugged in in some of our schools and some of those areas, before you leave, I want you to walk in the the building, walk in that room. When you first come in the door, go straight down and take a look at all of the product that is in there and see how blessed God has, how much God has blessed us so that we can be a blessing to others. And I think you will be inspired when you see all of the product that is in that room. And so I just want to thank you all for coming out tonight. Let Aaron know you appreciate him driving up here tonight and, and spending time with us. And we will see you on Sunday. God bless you all. Amen. Thank you for listening to Victor Christian Center's audio podcast. We look forward to connecting with you on our social media or at FCCFMD.com.